the things that I love and hold in to my heart are just for us. They're not mine alone. Oh, Father, Jesus, only let me use him all to bright in my life. So remind me, remind me. Forget, so remind, please remind. 
Every now and then, yes, sir. Oh, when I forget about my friends, oh, yes, sir. Oh, dear you but I'm reminded amen I want to invite each one of you to take your Bibles out if you have a copy of God's Word with you in the house tonight go ahead and start turning over to the Gospel of John Gospel of John the 18th chapter and I'll begin in verse number 39 and I'm going to be reading through a, a section of scripture right here that's going to cover the remainder of chapter 18, and then we're going to delve into chapter 19 a little bit as well. We're going to actually go through the 16th verse of chapter 19. So John chapter 18, beginning there, verse number 39. But before we do, uh, Pastor Horsley has graciously invited me to come and share with you guys tonight. And after that introduction that he gave, uh, I'm certainly not worthy, okay? But I serve a risen Savior who is worthy. Amen, church? And so I'm going to just ask you to bow your heads with me for just a moment because I'm here to tell you I can say nothing without him I have no truth to share without the truth of Jesus Christ I have nothing that you can latch on to without him first latching on to me and so let's bow our heads in a word of prayer for just a moment Father we just ask you Lord now to hide us underneath your word It is your word by which we live. Mm -hmm. It's your word by which we grow and are nourished and fed. So, Father, I just pray in these moments as the scriptures are read aloud in the public hearing of your people, Lord, that the Spirit's work would be amazing Mm -hmm. here among us. Lord, we claim the promise of your word that your word does not return void. It does not come back empty-handed, Father, but it will accomplish all that it is intended to do. And so, Father, in the message that is about to be spoken, Lord, we know that there are hearts here that you've already prepared beforehand in your grace and in your mercy that need this word. Yes. Let them hear, thus saith the Lord. For it is in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. 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 I've titled the message this afternoon, Stuck Between the Rock and a hot place. Amen, church? Stuck between the rock and a hot place. John chapter 18, beginning in verse number 39. The Bible says, But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they all cried again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. Chapter 19. So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe 
And then they said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him with their hands. Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to him, Behold the man. Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. And the Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die because he made himself the Son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more afraid and went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? Jesus answered, You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the preparation day of the Passover, and about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold, your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, He has no king but Caesar. Then he delivered him to them to be crucified. And then they took Jesus and led him away. Father, may your word be exalted in the household of your people today. This afternoon, I want you guys to consider something for just a moment. I want you to think about a time in your life when you faced a difficult decision. You ever been there before? Yeah. There's been a difficult spot that you've been in. It seems like there's no way out. It seems like there's not a good choice. It seems like if you step to the left, you're going to step the wrong way. It looks as if you step to the right, you might step the wrong way. In other words, you could say you were stuck between a rock and a hard place, we say sometimes, right? I want to show you a man here. A man who was not stuck between a rock and a hard place, but between the rock the Lord Jesus Christ and a hot place my friends eternal judgment in a place called hell separation from a holy and righteous God what has just transpired here comes on the heels of the interrogation of the Lord Jesus Christ he's now been delivered over to the authorities he's already been brought before Caiaphas the high priest he's already been sent to Herod and returned back to a guy by the name of Pontius Pilate hmm. Pilate had many questions to ask Jesus in this passage here these same types of questions are still being asked today did you realize that some of you have asked these same questions in your own heart 
And I know that there's some here today who may even be asking the questions right now. Let the word of God speak to you this afternoon. Give you an example of what Pilate said to Jesus. The question he had asked. Pilate had asked the Jews, what accusation do you bring against this man, Jesus? What accusation do you have? Do you find any fault in him? Can there be a possible wrongdoing in this man named Jesus? Is there anything that can be brought as a realistic charge against him? They didn't have one. They had no charges, no real accusations that they could bring against Christ Jesus. And my friends, that reminds us of one great important truth. There is no accusation against Jesus even to this day. Amen? Amen. There's nothing that can be said guilty or wrong, immoral about the Lord Jesus himself. He is perfect in every possible way. He is holy and other than we are. Christ does not need our approval to stand as an innocent man. Yet on the flip side, on the flip side of that, there's plenty of charges that can be brought against us. Amen, church? If we were to stand before the courts of heaven, oh, the list of accusations that we would be levied against each one of us. We stand guilty before a holy and righteous God. Pilate also told the Jews to take Jesus away. He said, take him away and try him yourself. Charge him yourself according to your own law. Yet they couldn't do it. They couldn't take Jesus away because Jesus was an innocent man in regards to the laws of God. In fact, Jesus is the complete and utter fulfillment of God's law. He fulfilled it perfectly. Even as he suffered and died on Calvary's cross. Nothing could be brought against Jesus. And Pilate goes on to ask Jesus if he was in fact the king of the Jews. To which Jesus said, yes, I am. Jesus affirmed him saying, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world. Why, Jesus? He says that I should bear witness to the truth. For everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Do you hear his voice this evening, church? I hope you do. Because the Bible clearly declares that God's word is truth. And Jesus is none other than the living word. He's the fulfillment of God's word. John chapter 1 and verse 1. And the word was with God and the word was God. Whew. But Pilate. Pilate was a man in a tough spot here. He and his refusal to see in Jesus the truth. He retained the eternal skeptical mind. And then later on, he asked a very potent question. He said, what is truth? I believe there's a world out there today that needs to know what is truth. Amen. What is truth? We hear so many lies. We hear so many voices on this side and this side, and we don't know who to believe. We don't know where to go. We don't know whom to agree with. We don't know who to follow. Where is truth, O oh Lord? I'll tell you where truth is. Truth is standing before a judgment seat right here. His name is Jesus. At that point, Pilate declared, rightly so. He said, I find no fault in this man. In other words, there was no reason for Jesus to be executed. There was no reason for Jesus to suffer unimaginable pain and suffering. 
I believe Pilate knew deep down in his heart that Jesus was, in fact, an innocent man. And that's where we're going to begin this afternoon. Jesus before Pilate. Now Pilate there, he's standing before the accusers of Jesus. All these accusers of Jesus, they want Jesus dead. They want Jesus moved out of the way. They don't want to have to deal with him anymore. They see him as nothing but a nuisance and a problem and somebody who is dragging down the society. And Pilate just now having told them that he finds no fault, that this Jesus is innocent. He seems like a strong man right here, yet Pilate is anything but strong. He is a weak individual here. You see, he was a man who feared men rather than God. He feared the consequences of taking a stand for Jesus. He wanted to straddle the fence, if you will. He wanted to try to sit on top of it. But my friends, Pilate only found himself stuck between the rock and a hot place. You can't sit on the fence when it comes to Jesus Christ. You can stand on one side or the other, but my friends, you better not stand in the middle because if you stand in the middle, my friends, eternal destruction and damnation from God awaits you. Pilate needed to fear the one who can destroy both the soul and the body. What we will learn is that this is the place where all men find themselves, where all women find themselves. Right now, you may not know it, but you're stuck between the rock and a hot place. And as long as you fear men more than you fear God, as long as you waver, as long as you're weak, my friends, you'll remain there until the day of judgment in which you will face the eternal consequences. Are y'all ready to get started? I want you to see something here. Chapter 18, verse 39. Put your eyes back on that verse. Pilate says, you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Therefore, do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Pilate was a vacillating man. A vacillating man. And he was foolish in this vacillating. Now, that's a big fancy word, all right? We might not even know what vacillating is. That's okay. He was wishy-washy, okay? Let's just put it plain and simple. He was wishy-washy. He was back and forth. In fact, the Bible describes it like this. He was a double-minded man. He was a double-minded man. Back and forth. One minute he was here. One minute he was there. If it suited this crowd, he was with them. If it suited this crowd, he was with them. He was unwilling to be his own man and be decisive about anything in this life. It's this kind of back and forth that we find in a guy like Pilate and we find in so many today. He knew exactly that Jesus was an innocent man, yet he knew that these Jews, they were a stubborn bunch of folks. He knew that they were stiff-necked. He knew that they were argumentative and, and he knew that they weren't going to back down. They were not going to let this issue go away easily. He had already told the Jews to take Jesus unto themselves. They refused. They refused uh, uh, because they wanted him dead under the Roman law. They themselves were not allowed to execute anyone during this time. Only the Romans had that kind of authority. And so they were playing the game. They said, no, Pilate, you've got to do it. You've got to make the decision, Pilate. And to that, he tried to push back and he tried to send Jesus over to Herod. Herod didn't want anything to do with it either. 
Because Herod knew who Jesus was. He understood the reality of Jesus. And so Herod sends him back to, to, to Pilate. What was needed, my friends, was a concrete decision. A concrete decision was needed. But what does Pilate do right here? Look there in verse 38. Verse 38, uh, Pilate tries to persuade the crowd. Excuse me, verse 39. He tries to persuade the crowds there by offering to release a prisoner, which was apparently the custom during this time of year. He says, well, if I can release one man, maybe the crowds will, will have me release this guy named Jesus and I can wash my hands of this matter. I can avoid it altogether. I can get around the situation right here. He says, do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? He thought it'd be a good idea. Why did he think it's such a good idea? Because earlier he had heard the people. He had heard the reports of the people shouting Hosanna. He had heard the reports of the people shouting, Hail to the King of the Jews. Hmm. Maybe, just maybe, there would be enough supporters in that crowd to where he could step on one side of the fence and not make a decision on his own. Maybe somebody else could make his decision for him. Are you hearing me, church? Maybe somebody could make his decision about Jesus for him. My friends, it don't work that way. It don't work that way. Look at what happens right here. It was foolish of him to depend on the decision of others when God was calling on him to act. You see, the plan backfired. Verse 40 tells us that they all cried out saying, no, not this man. No, not Jesus, but Barabbas. We want Barabbas. And it goes on to say that this guy they called for, Barabbas, he was a robber. In fact, we learn about Barabbas that he was more than just a robber. In fact, Barabbas was a murderer. He was a violent man. Now, I've often wondered why these people immediately rejected a guy like Jesus, a man who went around healing, a man who went around providing, a man who went around teaching with authority, a man who went around and even raised people from the dead. Why they rejected somebody like this and chose a robbing, murderous man like Barabbas. And the reason is no different than it is for people who will not make a decision about Jesus today. Make no mistake about it. You see, now these people saw Jesus, but they didn't see this Jesus as the kind of king they wanted. They saw in Jesus a weak man. They saw a Jesus that wasn't what they expected. And I believe today there's people who are wanting others to make a decision for them about Jesus because in their minds, this Jesus isn't the kind of God that they expected. They didn't expect a God who would one day go to a cross and die. No, they expected a God who would come out of the skies and, and somehow rule and reign and conquer the nations. My friends, that's going to happen, just not yet. The decision needs to be made today. With this Jesus that has come. That has come. What they saw though was a Jesus bound up. Beat up. Being led around like a, some kind of animal. They saw this Jesus as weak and out of control. But they wanted a Jesus that could do something for them in the here and now. You know there's a lot of folks out there that are trying to sit on the fence. Because all they want out of Jesus is a Jesus that can do something for them right now. 
And so they quickly rejected Jesus in favor of Barabbas, a murderous, robbing man. Now, Jesus, although he was bound up, although he was being led around, Jesus was not out of control, my friends. Jesus was in control. He was in control the whole time. In fact, Jesus tells us earlier in the Gospels that it is for this reason that he came. He came to seek and to save. The Bible says that he came to die and give his life as a ransom for many. All throughout the Old Testament, the prophets predicted the coming of Messiah. And the Messiah would suffer. He would suffer in anguish. And Jesus was about to undergo all of this. He was in complete control. Nobody forced him to go there. In fact, the Bible says he went there willingly. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that he went there out of joy. Joy. Jesus came to Jerusalem. The Son of God came to earth for this very purpose. So that while you were sitting on a fence, vacillating back and forth with the ways of this world, you might see him for who he really is And make a decision. Make a decision for Jesus. Jesus had predicted this would happen over and over throughout his life and ministry. In fact, God had told us through this all throughout the Bible. That he would be arrested. That he would be put on trial. And that he would suffer and ultimately die. And hallelujah, raise again. Amen. Amen. Now I say this because today it seems like people only want a Jesus that can do something for them in the here and now. And so if they see any kind of Jesus, if they see Jesus as weak, if they see Jesus as a suffering man, guess what they're going to say? The world's going to say, well, no, you can't make a decision for Jesus as being the son of God because after all, he died. Hmm. What has Jesus done for you lately? They'll say. I hope you're not waiting on somebody to make the decision for you. Now, as for Pilate, his wishy-washy, his back and forth, his vacillating, it gets even worse. We learn from Matthew chapter 27 and verse 22 that he actually asked the crowd again. He says, what then shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? Now, if Barabbas is to be set free, then what should he do? What should he do with Jesus? If they've now chosen Barabbas, what other choice does he have? He's stuck. He's stuck in a difficult, difficult situation. And this, my friends, is the foolishness. This is the folly of letting others decide for you. You're going to find out that they're not even making a decision. You're going to wind up stuck. You're going to come to the end of your life, and you're going to be stuck before the judgment place of God. What did the people say? That same verse in Matthew says, they all said to him, let him be crucified. That was their answer to Jesus. And the world's still shouting it today. This world doesn't want your church. This world doesn't want my church. This world doesn't want believers going out and sharing the love and the grace and the mercy and the kindness and the forgiveness of our Lord and Savior. This world doesn't want us testifying the truth, standing up for that which is right. No, 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 no. If we let the world decide for us, oh, they're going to say do away with him. Crucify him. Rid yourselves of that foolish king. Now the folly in Pilate's vacillating, it gets even worse because Pilate, knowing that Jesus doesn't deserve death, 
He's really in a difficult place right here. What will he do? Look at verse 1 of chapter 19. The Bible says, so then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. It says he took Jesus and literally had the mess beat out of him. The scourging. It was terrible. It was the most brutal form of punishment that the Romans could conjure up. Usually the one that was accused was tied to a post or to a tree. Their hands bound around the other side of this large post or tree or stump or whatever it might be. And then they were beaten with leather whips. And attached to these leather whips were metal balls that were embedded inside of the leather. Also embedded inside the leather were pieces of sharp bone and shards of metal. And whatever else they could put in there to inflict the most serious injury they could. It was designed with one reason and one reason alone. It was designed to rip into the flesh, even cutting down to the bone and exposing the muscular system. It wasn't designed to kill. It was designed to maim. It wasn't designed to make things easy. No, it was designed to prolong and give as much suffering as could possibly be given. This was no small beating either. A lot of people believe that Jesus only took 39 lashes here because the Jews had a law against going over 40. But it wasn't the Jews that beat him up, my friends. It was the Romans. And the Romans were experts at this. They didn't care one bit about what the Jews thought. And so they beat Jesus, and they beat Jesus, and they whipped Jesus, and the skin tore, and it ripped open, and it was bloody, and it was messy. In fact, they beat him until they were exhausted. The prophet Isaiah describes this man, this Messiah, the suffering one, as marred beyond our recognition. That's how badly Jesus was beaten, all because a man wouldn't take a stand. Now that tells me something. It tells me, number one, Pilate should have taken a stand, but it tells me something even more important. This Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of glory, the one who was in complete control, he took the beating of a lifetime, knowing that all of us were sitting on the fence Knowing that you and I are sitting on the fence, weak and indecisive. Knowing that a, there was a whole world standing against him. Knowing that there's a whole world standing against you. He willingly and lovingly put his hands around that post. And took the beating. Thank you, Jesus. In fact, this beating was so bad. Did you realize this? Roman citizens were exempt from it. Even if they killed somebody. Even if they were a robber. Even if they were extortioners. Whatever it was. Rapist. It didn't matter. They were exempt from this form of punishment. That's how bad it was. And Jesus took it for us. Now to make matters worse, the, the soldiers, when they were done whipping Jesus... They dragged him down and they put a crown of thorns and twisted it into his head with spikes about that long. Just to add insult to injury. They wanted to make him look like a mock king. In fact, part of their mockery of Jesus 
was they put the crown upon his head and then they put a purple robe upon the back of Jesus. And then they started shouting, Hail, King of the Jews! Hail, King of the Jews! Look at him now! Hmm. Would Pilate make a decision for this kind of king? The Bible says they took it even a step further. They began to punch Jesus. They began to strike him. In fact, they even ripped his beard out of his face. They were mocking our Savior. They were mocking the one true king by dressing him up as a fake king. And all the while, Pilate, even though he wasn't there on the scene, he knew that this was taking place. It was on his hands. You see, Pilate, in his indecisiveness... In his weakness, in letting others decide for him, had Jesus beaten within an inch of his life. In your indecisiveness, what did Jesus suffer? The same thing. And now Pilate decides to bring him back out to the people. Once again, he brings Jesus back outside and he tells them that he finds no fault in Jesus. Pilate is beside himself right here. But notice what he says there. Hmm. Matthew's gospel, rather. He says, behold the man. He doesn't even address Jesus as a king as he's standing there battered and bloody with a crown of thorns on his head and a, and a fake purple robe. He refers to him as the man. Pilate, in his foolishness, thought that he could persuade the people by showing them a Jesus who was bloody and barely able to stand and humiliatingly dressed up as a mock king. He thought he could persuade them. He thought he could convince them to let him go and he could somehow just avoid making a decision. Maybe they would just laugh it off. Maybe they would just let it. Maybe they would ignore Pilate altogether and they would go home. No. I'm here to tell you, friends, the world is not going to ignore Jesus. It never will. In fact, the world is going to fight against Jesus. It's going to fight against those who name the name of Jesus until Jesus Christ returns and vanquishes every enemy. Because when he returns, he's returning not as a lowly king. He's returning as a conquering king, my friends. The heart of sinful men will not stop. The Bible says they cried out, crucify him, crucify him. Now, I believe in that moment when Pilate heard those words, crucify him. I believe in that very moment that Pilate had a small moment of conviction. I believe he's even kind of fed up with these Jews. I believe he was kind of ticked off at them a little bit. He tells them, he says, you take him and crucify him. Verse six, he says, I find no fault in him. I can't find fault in this man. He's not crying out in defense. He's not accused of anything that we know of. He's trying to avoid, friends. He's trying to dodge the real issue. You see, he should have been decisive. He should have said, free this man. I stand with this man, Jesus. Your decision should be the same. I stand with this man, Jesus. I find no fault in him. He is the sinless son of God. And he suffered for me. 
You know, that reminds me of those today who say, well, others can do what they want to with Jesus. You know anybody like that? Some of y'all might be that way. I don't know. Others can do with Jesus what they want, but I'm not getting into it. You don't tell me what to think. I'm not going to tell you what to think. That ain't going to work, friends. That ain't going to work. You can avoid Jesus all you want to, but one day we will all stand in the judgment. And the only thing that's going to matter is the decision you made about Jesus. The decision you made about Jesus. So are you going to hand it off to somebody else? Are you going to trust that this world's going to lead you down the right path? Or are you going to trust the living and active and breathing word of God? Are you going to declare that the innocent died for you, the truly guilty, and seek his forgiveness? Now let's rewind a little bit. Back to these Jews. Are you with me, church? You see, they still knew that they couldn't legally kill Jesus. So they're kind of in a tough spot, too. They knew that they couldn't legally kill Jesus. They needed Pilate to authorize it. They needed the Romans to carry it out. And so they respond to Pilate's statement by saying this. They said, we have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die. Imagine that. Jesus ought to die. This might as well be in the headlines of our papers and on our TV sets today. Jesus ought to die. These Christians ought to just shut up. Why? Because he made himself the son of God, the Bible says. The son of God. Now for those who would say that Jesus never claimed to be the son of God. Right here. They knew it. He knew it. Pilate knew it. Even the people that whipped him, they knew it. They knew that Jesus claimed to be the son of God. And right here is the very heart of the matter. Yes, he is. In fact, he not only claimed it, but he backed it up. Throughout the life and ministry of Jesus, he went around performing miracles. And even more importantly, he fulfilled every prophecy that is written in this book. Did you realize that? He has fulfilled it. Jesus. Oh, and he's not done, by the way. But that's for another day, friends. Pilate was now truly stuck between the rock and a hot place. His folly, his foolishness in vacillating, my friends. Don't be that one. But Pilate was also a weak man. You see, he had a feeble veneer. A feeble veneer. Let me just explain that for you real quick. On the outside, Pilate looked strong. On the outside, he looked strong. But it was just a shell, my friends. He was a shell of a man. Inside he was weak. Verses 8 through 12 in, uh, in chapter 19. Pick up with me. The Bible says, Therefore when Pilate heard that saying, listen to what it says. It says, He was the more afraid. Pilate didn't buck up in this situation. No, he cowed down. He was afraid, my friends. He was fearful in his spirit. Pilate knew that he was in some kind of trouble right here. And in fact, we learn in verse 8 that he was more afraid. Now just why? Why was he afraid? Because on the outside, Pilate was a tough guy. He had it all. He had success. He had fame. He had power. He had uh, wealth. He had it all. He had authority. Hmm. 
But that statement that Jesus was the very son of God, it made him tremble inside a little bit. It made him shake a little bit. Because if this truly is the son of God, Pilate's asking himself, what have I done? What have I done? Please don't stand on judgment day and say, what have I done? I believe the answer to Pilate's reason for fear is that he thought just for a moment, maybe it is true. Maybe he really is the son of God. You see, we're told that Pilate goes back inside with Jesus. He takes Jesus out of the the, the crowd that was clamoring around and shouting and yelling. Maybe he just wanted to get away because it was too noisy. I don't know. But I believe he took Jesus inside because he was afraid of what he had just done. He needed to find out some answers about Jesus. And so what does he do? He asked Jesus one-on-one. Look at what he asked him. He says, where are you from? Where are you from? Now, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that Pilate wasn't interested in Galilee. Okay? I'm pretty sure that, 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 that Pilate wasn't interested in the little town called Bethlehem. Okay? He wasn't concerned about that whatsoever. When Pilate asked, where are you from, Jesus? He's asking a much larger question, friends. He's saying, are you the son of God? Did you come down from heaven? Are you divine? Are you divine, Jesus? Yes. That's the question. Where are you from, Jesus? Hmm. And listen to what. Jesus does here. He doesn't say a word. He doesn't even respond. Now now listen here closely because the wicked of this world will try to use this scripture to deny the deity of Jesus. But I'm here to tell you today, you better turn away from the world. Don't let them try to decide for you because they're going to twist this scripture. They're going to twist and turn it to their own destruction. And Jesus didn't respond right here because he had already done so. He had already told Pilate that, yes, he was a king. In fact, he told Pilate, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. You see, Pilate in this moment was coming under the judgment of God. And the Bible teaches us that when we constantly reject Jesus, that God will one day ultimately reject us forever. We will not find the answers that we seek. Now, Pilate tried to be a tough guy here. Just listen to his words. He says, oh, you want to be silent, huh? Are you not speaking to me, he says? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? He seems tough on the outside, don't he? But it's a feeble veneer, my friends. You see, inside, he's shaking like a little schoolgirl. And the thought that there are so many today who constantly refuse to decide upon Jesus, it makes me shake a little bit on the inside. They constantly refuse to decide upon Jesus. They think they've got all the time in the world. One day, time's going to run out, my friends. Many will ultimately find themselves so hardened so hardened that they will never know the truth of Jesus even if they ask. Their hearts will become seared. And now Jesus answers Pilate. He does so in a manner that bursts the bubble of Pilate. It shatters that feeble veneer. He says, Pilate, I hear you. 
He says, but Pilate, you could have no power against me at all. Amen, church. He says, you could have no power against me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. You see, Jesus knew he had no real authority over him. Pilate could do what he want, but the ultimate one that was in control was Jesus. You can decide if you want to. You cannot decide if you want to. But God's plan will carry forward. God will be glorified. His glory doesn't depend upon you. So you better decide why you got time and get on the right side of the fence, my friends. He only allowed it because it was part of God's great plan of redemption. For those who think they don't have to answer to Jesus, guess what? You better think again because when you stand before the judgment, you will know just how feeble your tough guy exterior really is. You won't even look strong in the presence of our creator. You're but a tiny, infinitesimal creature in his presence. In fact, Jesus lets Pilate know that he's guilty. But he's not even in control of his own guilt. The one who delivered him has a greater sin. Who was that? That was Caiaphas, the high priest, who sent him over. And so now Pilate is scared to death. And we learn this, at that moment, he sought to release him. I believe in his heart at that moment, in his fear, he knew that Jesus was innocent and not deserving of death. Yet Pilate once again just shows his feeble veneer. The Jews cried out as Pilate brought this man back out. They cried out, if you let this man go, if you let him go, Pilate, you're not Caesar's friend. You don't stand with us, Pilate, if you take his side. Whoever makes himself a king, they said, speaks against Caesar. Now listen closely, because Pilate, he wasn't tough enough. Yeah, he looked strong on the outside, but internally he was a weak, weak man. He wasn't tough enough to make the hard decision. And my friends, making a decision for Jesus Christ is never an easy thing to do. If you're waiting on the day when it's become, become easy and it's going to become so glorious and joyous, my friends, you're going to be waiting till all eternity. It's hard to make a decision for Jesus. It takes the strength of a man on the inside, not the shell of a man on the outside. He wasn't strong enough because he ultimately feared men more than God. Who are you afraid of, really? Now, if I'm describing somebody here today, then I urge you, don't wait. God is calling you. He doesn't want you to fear men. He wants you to make the tough decision. And, and granted this, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. Had Pilate made the right decision and said, no, this Jesus is innocent. No, this Jesus is not deserving of death. No, he must go free. And I decree that he goes free and he is stated as king of the Jews. He'd have been kicked out. In fact, he might have even caused a revolution and a revolt. He might even have been killed. My friends, we are blessed where we are, we live in a society to where we're not facing this kind of persecution. But let me tell you something. That day is coming. That day is coming. And even now, my friends, the lawless one is at work. He is at work. It's going to cost you when you decide to follow Jesus. It might cost you a job. 
It might cost you some friendships. It might cost you some family members. But the last time I checked, Jesus, when he was asked about his family, he looked around and those who were his followers, he said, are my family. Last thing I want you to see this afternoon. I want you to see Pilate's final verdict. Pilate's final verdict. Verse 13. Pick up with me in your Bible. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat. How ironic is that? In a place that is called the pavement. Pilate was stuck between the rock, literally. The person of Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, he was stuck between the rock and a hot place, eternal judgment. It would all come down to the final verdict in this trial. It would all come down to what Pilate would do in this moment. After hearing the threats from the Jews that they would label Pilate a traitor, he brings Jesus back out, takes his seat in the judgment seat, and now there is no way to wiggle out. A decision has to be rendered. No way to skirt the issue. No way to avoid it. No way to depend on anybody else. No, it's on your shoulders now, Pilate. What are you going to do? Judgment must be rendered. I guess you could say the rubber was about to meet the road. Or in this case, the pavement, literally. Pilate was going to render judgment on Jesus. What will yours be? The Bible gives us a little background information here. It says that it was the day of preparation of the Passover. The day of the preparation of the Passover. And prophetically speaking, the Lamb of God, that is Jesus himself, he was prepared to be the one who was placed as the atoning sacrifice for us. And literally put before the judgment seat of God. And in one final statement, Pilate says these words. He says, Behold your king. And they all replied, away with him. Away with him. Crucify him. What God had set in motion from eternity past was now coming to its complete fulfillment. And Pilate, he was fearful of men. He bows down to the ways of wickedness around him. And he says, shall I crucify your king? One more time, he appeals to the world. And the reply of the wicked is this, we have no king but Caesar. We're not going to have this Jesus as king no matter what you say, Pilate. They rendered their verdict and they were guilty of the hell they would face. Amen. Stuck between the rock of Jesus and the hot place, Pilate would also find himself guilty. The Bible says he simply like this. It says he delivered him to them to be crucified, so they took Jesus and led him away. Rejecting Jesus Christ was Pilate's final verdict. That dilemma that Pilate faced is the same ones we all face. It's the same one you face here in this moment. What will your verdict be? What will your decision be? The decision to believe Jesus and become his follower? Or to keep on? Trying to sit on that fence, rejecting Jesus. I said earlier, if you, reject, if you follow him, guess what? It's going to be costly. But my friends, the glory that awaits is so good. It is so good. 
Jesus promised us this. He said that whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Will save it. Maybe this word spoke to somebody in this room today. That's the reason God sent me here. Pastor Horsley brought me here to preach. And God's word never returns void. Never returns void. Would you be willing to say, church, this morning that you find no fault in this man? Would you be willing to say that Jesus is the innocent one? Would you be willing to say that, no, Jesus, you're not guilty. In fact, I'm the guilty one. I deserve to be tied to that post. I deserve to be whipped and beaten. I deserve to hang upon a cross. But you did it in my place. I'm going to let Pastor Horsley give the invitation this afternoon. But I don't want you to wait around. You see, if you try to sit on the fence, you're already making your final verdict. You're already making your final verdict. Don't be weak. Don't be feeble. Don't be vacillating back and forth, wishy-washy. Make your decision for Jesus today. Let's bow our heads. Father, we come before you now, Lord, and we thank you. We thank you for the message that you've revealed to us here in John's gospel. We thank you that we're in a world that is vacillating back and forth. We thank you that there are those who are willing to take a stand. A stand for Jesus. I thank you for each one in this room who's made that decision in their life. I thank you, Lord, that they are willing to follow Jesus no matter the cost Lord, I pray for those who are sitting on the fence. For those who deep within their heart, Lord, they, they truly haven't made a decision. They're waiting on somebody else's approval. Father, I pray for the one who's fearful of men. I pray for the one who right now says, I know, but it's going to cost me so much. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to speak your word today. Holy Spirit, I ask you to have your will and your way in this place in these moments to come. It's in Jesus' name that we give glory. Amen. And all God's people said amen. 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 Come on, let's thank the Lord for the word on this afternoon.